congregational prayer of praise. And this is a time, I'm sorry, prayer of supplication. So this is a time for the congregation to offer up prayers of, to God. And so just sentence prayers. They don't have to be a, par- a marathon. Just sentence prayers to God. And then I'll close our time in a moment. So if you feel led, please pray. Let's go to our God now. Father, I thank you that you you don't just care about our eternal souls. You also care about our actual bodies, the life that we're currently living. And I pray for those who may be struggling with depression, mental illness, that you will heal them. I pray for those who are struggling with sickness that you would heal them. I pray for those who 
maybe having surgery here soon, that you will give them comfort and deliver them from fear and anxiety. I pray for those who are lonely, Lord, that you will minister to their loneliness. I pray for those who are dealing with shame and, and guilt from past sins and, and for relationships falling apart. I pray that you would minister to them. I pray for those who who, who may need a job and, and just live from paycheck to paycheck. I pray that, Lord, you forgive them a financial blessing. And, Lord, I pray for each of us, Lord, that you would minister to those places where we truly live to those doubts, to those fears, to those insecurities. We pray for our nation. We pray for our leaders. Lord, that you watch over them, give them wisdom. I, too, pray for Birmingham and the community there. You give the churches wisdom to be salt and light for the gospel in the midst of a tragedy, Lord, that they will represent Christ well. And, Lord, I pray for the preaching of your word that the Spirit would take this word and apply it to the hearts of your people, that the minister, Lord, is just a person. He needs the same grace that he preaches, the same word that he preaches he also needs. And so I pray that you will move me to the side, my ego and pride to the side, my need for affirmation, my need for a good pat on the back, you will move all that to the side so that Christ, Lord, may be glorified in what takes place in these next coming moments. It is in his name that I pray. Amen. If you have your Bible today, please open it to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. We will be looking at verses 1 through, let me find it. 1 through 13 today. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 13. We are beginning a new sermon series for Advent called The Light of the World uh, for the next four weeks. But here's God's word to his beloved sons and daughters. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made was made. In him was life, and the, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, to his own people. They did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. This is God's holy word. Amen. Amen. In the chapter 4 of the Gospel of Luke, 
Jesus reads a passage from the book of Isaiah in the synagogue in Nazareth. He does this on the Sabbath day. That was his custom. And while in the synagogue, he he stands up and he unrolls this scroll and he begins to read these words to the congregation. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is what he reads to this congregation and all the congregations, their eyes are fixed on him. They're looking at Jesus. And so Jesus, he rolls back up the scroll, he gives it back to the attendant, and then he sits down, and then Jesus boldly says to these people, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Bring it, Jesus. Come on and tell them. Show them who you are. You see, he does what he does and he says what he says because of who he is. He is the son of God, right? He is the Christ. He is the redeemer. And he is also the light of the world. But do y'all believe it? Do y'all believe it? And for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about what it means for him to be the light of the world during this Advent season. For we all need this reminder of him because it's so easy to forget. So easy to be distracted by Christmas gifts, Christmas parties, and Christmas travel plans. And it's so easy to be blindsided by the unexpected. Have you ever been blindsided by the unexpected? Yes, pastor, I have. It's so easy to be crippled by pain and suffering. It's so easy for life to make us lose sight of what Advent is all about. Diedrich Bonhoeffer says, A present cell in which one waits, hopes, is completely dependent on the fact that the door of freedom has to be opened from the outside. That is a picture of Advent. Jesus does that. He's the light of the world who come to set us free. Do you want to be free? I guess I'm the only one. Do you want to be free, saints? Okay. You got to talk to me now. I know y'all did a lot of talking yesterday. So talk today. This weekend, though, some of you Maybe decorated your homes for Christmas, put out all your Christmas gifts, may have set up a Christmas tree, you put Christmas lights on your home or your apartment. But the question I have for you, if you did that, are you going to leave those lights up on your home all next year too? Are you going to leave them up forever? No. Are you going to turn them on every night next year? Okay, please talk to me. Are you going to turn on those Christmas lights all next year? No. No. Unless you love Huntsville Utilities. You won't do that. <laughs> People usually take the Christmas lights, Christmas lights down at the beginning of the year because Christmas lights, they're, they're seasonal and temporary. They're seasonal and temporary. Is Jesus a seasonal light? Is he a temporary light? Does his light shine for a moment 
and then turns off. But what kind of light is he in our broken world? Is he a flashlight, night light, a headlight, a porch light, a cell phone light, a light bulb, a glow-in-the-dark light? He's none of those. He's a different kind of light. He's a transcendent light. The light that is coming into the world is a transcendent light that is beyond us, above us, otherworldly, other than us. So please realize that Jesus existed long before his physical birth on earth. Long before that. He existed long before he comes as the light of the world. And John doesn't begin his gospel with the incarnation. Do you realize that? He does not begin his gospel with the incarnation of Christ. He begins his gospel with his pre-existence in eternity past. They take that to heart and caution, caution yourselves because you can't reduce Jesus too far down to our level just to make him relatable to other people and their issues. Don't minimize his otherworldliness in order to show he's down with the cause. Or to show he knows about the struggle. John doesn't do that in his gospel at all. He doesn't minimize or reduce who Jesus is just to show that he can relate to people. He describes Jesus as the word. Putting a personal face on an abstract, impersonal concept that many Greek philosophers wrote about. John takes that and gives it a face. The common light is the word, not a word. It means Jesus is the truth. His life, his ministry, his message is God's truth. Even the Old Testament points to Jesus in this way. In John 5, verse 36, Jesus says, You search the scriptures because you think in them you may have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Jesus is the word. Luke 24, 27 says, and, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, all the things concerning himself. Again, Jesus is the word. And Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2 says, Long ago, in many times and many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, Jesus is the word and there are no others it's christ alone but do you believe it do you receive it in verse one john says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god like i already said jesus has always existed before all time even before the creation of the world in the beginning was jesus take it in let that, let that truth settle in you. And Jesus was also with God. What does that mean? It means relationship. It means a distinct person. It means Godhead. It means Trinity. How many persons in the Godhead, kids? What are their names? Right. And Jesus is part of that Godhead. And in this Godhead, 
the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Same in substance, equal in power and glory. That means Jesus is God, not a God. Begotten, not created. Eternal, not transient. That means the Jehovah Witnesses are wrong here. What do you believe? Next, John describes Jesus as creator. Look at verses 2 and through 5. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Again, do you see what John is doing? He hasn't even gotten to the incarnation yet. He continues to show us the other worldliness of Jesus. He is also creator. Do you know what that means? Do you, do you know that, kids? That Jesus is also creator. That God the Father created all things through his son. And this truth is consistent throughout scripture. In Hebrews uh, 1, verse 2, again, it says, But in these last days God spoke to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Jesus is also your creator. In Jesus is both life and light. He's both at the same time. He's the life giver, both physical life and spiritual life. And he himself is the light of humanity. The light that reveals our need and also fulfills that need. And Jesus shines in the darkness. And that darkness will never overtake him. Never overcome him. Jesus can't be turned off like a light switch. If that's your Jesus, then you got the wrong Jesus. He can't be dimmed. He can't be replaced. And he's not a bulb that's just going to go out. He won't ever blow. Jesus shines forever. For he is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So that means if you don't knock Jesus, then you ain't got what you need. It's Jesus. Not Pastor Alex, not the village church, not the Presbyterian church. It's Jesus. Jesus alone. So don't fall asleep on him. Don't reduce him. Don't minimize him. Don't de-God him. That's a made up word. And as the common light, Jesus is transcendent. Above us, beyond us, other than us. So when you share Jesus with other people, you're talking about God. Do you tell him Jesus is God? He's your creator. He's the God man, the truth, the eternal word, the second person in the Trinity. He's creator. That is the Jesus we serve. Canderville is a newspaper comic strip. And in one strip, the main character, Lamont Brown, says, I'm not buying any Christmas gifts. This season, Clyde. Say what, responds Clyde? 
Next, Lamont gives this long venting reason for why he's not going to buy gifts this Christmas. He says, buying someone a gift used to mean something. You used to have to go to the store and think about what they're like. Now all you got to do is just click a button on the Amazon wish list. You don't have to put any thought into it anymore. It used to be the thought that count. Now it counts. Now it's just a thought list that counts. Clyde doesn't buy into Lamont's words. He's not feeling them. And so he says to Lamont, you're broke, aren't you? It's a joke. Let's be real. Some people are broke. They can't afford to buy gifts this season. Some will be broke. Some will max out their credit cards. All in order to buy Christmas gifts. Now, there are some who, who don't celebrate Christmas by buying gifts. And yet, all of these people have one thing in common. A need that worldly presence won't ever meet. A need that self-righteousness won't meet. A need that materialism won't meet. A need that's not on everyone's Amazon's wish list. It's a need that can only be meant by a heavenly gift. A gift that's amazing and a thought behind the gift is just as amazing. And that gift is to come in light. That is Jesus. Because he's not just transcendent. He's also a light that illuminates people. It illuminates And before he comes in the world to do that, God sends a man to bear witness about that light, like a forerunner, a mental man, to prepare the way for the light for Jesus. And that is John the Baptist. He has he was he was to come to make ready for Jesus a people prepared. Look at verses six and eight through eight. There's a man sent from God whose name is John. He comes as a witness to bear witness about the light. That all might believe through him. He's not the light, but comes to bear witness about the light. That was John's role, to prepare the way for Christ. And when the true light comes, he will enlighten everyone. You see, Jesus gives clarity about God's plan of salvation. The one who explains it and reveals it. And guess what he reveals to the people? He's the plan. That's what he reveals to them. That's what he enlightens them. That's what he does for them. I am God's plan of redemption. That's why he says in John 14, 6, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And you don't have to go to the Greek to know what he's saying there. I'm the door. Everybody else just a back door. That back door is locked. I'm the door. I'm the front door. You have to come to the front door to get in. That's what he's saying. And that's offensive to a lot of people. That's what he's saying. Jesus is God's only plan to meet the greatest need of humanity. His life, his death, and his resurrection is the gift that takes care of your sins. Okay. His finished work is the gift that takes care of our sins. And the light that comes into the world, it comes in the world to die on a cross for you. Jesus comes into this world in order to bear the wrath of God in your place. 
we romanticize Christmas. We make it a Disney story. But that baby that was born was marked for death. Okay? We turn into this nice, wonderful story and we make plays about it. Please know that that baby was, was, was going to die. He came to die. Not so that we can have Christmas lights and all the things that we do now for Christmas. He came because you ain't right. If you were right, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have to leave glory if you were right. He wouldn't have to come down here and, and hang out with us if you were right. That's why he came, to make you right. He came to make things right. He comes to reconcile us to God the Father. That's why he comes. Because apart from Jesus, we are separated from God. I don't care how good your life is. I don't care how great you got it. I don't care how much money you have or what kind of dreams you have. If you don't know Jesus, you are in a bad place. Bad place. If you don't know him. If you don't have him. Because none of that stuff is coming with you when you go to, when you die. Someone else is going to spend it. He comes to free us from the bondage of sin. From our own sin and from the sins placed on us by other people. Those sins too. Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. So Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. I want you all to see that God gives the world the free gift of his son. And yet he ain't on anybody's wish list. What you want for Christmas, little Johnny? I want Jesus. No, I want a PS2. Oh, PS4. I'm sorry. I'm dated. Thank you, baby. Where's my son? Where's, where is it, son? PS4, right? Yeah, thank you. Tell you how much I know about video games. Jesus doesn't come into the world where they stand in ovation. People aren't standing up saying, Jesus. No. People aren't, he, people aren't singing joy to the world when he comes into the world. He receives a cold and a warm reception. Some people reject him. They reject the light. The Gentiles reject, reject him. Jewish people reject him. Look at verse 10. Jesus was, in, Jesus was in the world and the world was made through him. And yet the world did not know him. Did not know him. This is more than just intellectual knowledge. More than just knowing facts and history about Jesus' life. More than memorizing Christmas stories and Bible stories and Bible verses. Some people in the world did not recognize Jesus as the light. As the redeemer. As the Christ. They're clueless. They're not in a relationship with him. They don't know him in saving faith, nor do they see their need for a savior. And some people don't see their need for a savior because their savior is their possessions. And it's definitely true for some of us. The same is true for Jesus' own people. 
Jesus was a, was a Jew. And, he, and Jesus was the, 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 the person they've been longing for and waiting for. And yet, he comes to his own, and his own people did not receive him. They didn't accept him. See, they recognized him. Some of them knew who he was, the son of a carpenter. But they did not accept Jesus as the light. They did not accept him. Don't accept his person and his coming and his claims. And here's the thing. Jesus isn't the light they were expecting. He's not the Christ they have been waiting for all these generations. Because some of us have a Jesus of our own imagination. And we don't accept the real one. We have this fantasy Jesus that we've created in our own minds. So these people, they turn their backs on the one true light. The Messiah, think about it. The Messiah walked with them, teaching them. He's right before their eyes, and yet they still can't see him. Now, some of us will say, man, if I were there, I wouldn't have believed him. No, you wouldn't. You don't believe him now. No, you wouldn't. And so... The light that John the Baptist prepares, he prepares the, the way for the light, but he's not widely received. He's not widely welcomed. He's rejected by some. Why? Why? People are blinded by their sin. That's why. So we look out. We most people know this verse in John three sixteen. What is it? So for God so loved the world, they gave his only begotten son. Everyone loves that verse, but it don't go down to verse 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. People are lost. People who are lost in their sins must be called out of that darkness. No, they have to be snatched out, rescued out. People don't willingly come, and they can't save themselves from themselves. You have to understand that. So who can know Jesus? Who can receive him and save in faith? Who, who can come into the light? Jesus himself tells us in John 6, 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. That's who can come. In John 6, 33, he says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. When the Holy Spirit changes someone's heart, the heart of someone who's lost, that that person will come into the light because he gives them all the flesh and takes away their heart of stone. Then they will come in to receive Jesus in saving faith. Without that work, without that moving, without that drawing of God, you will not come. People will not come. And the same thing for our kids. The Spirit has to draw them. You can beat them down with the Bible all you want to. If the Spirit ain't moving their heart, they ain't coming. Now, you need to teach them. But you need more than your teaching. You need to be praying for them. Because you need the Holy Spirit to pull them in. We don't want to raise little Pharisees. We want to raise disciples. Pharisees follow all the rules, but they don't know nothing about Jesus. Raise them to know him. So how do you come? You confess your sins to him. Acknowledge him as Savior. 
submit to him as Lord and King. And all the people who receive him in faith are then adopted into God's family. The gift that keeps on giving. Think about that. Some of us, we, some of us are just happy to have our sins forgiven. And that's a great thing. But he does much more than that. He changes your name. He changes your identity. Think about that, kids. Think about that, adults. He changes everything about you. He rewrites your DNA. You are now adopted into God's family that when God sees you, he sees sons and daughters. Who wouldn't want that for Christmas? The privilege of becoming God's sons and daughters forever in Christ. Look at verses 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. That's what Jesus gives you. Nothing else that you're going to have in this life is going to do that for you. What else can make you God's son or daughter? What else can rescue you out of the darkness of your sin? Nothing. I don't care what accomplishments you make in life. I don't care how successful you may become. I don't care what those things do for you. They can't do this for you. Because you can have the whole world on your forfeit your very soul. Because again, again, we ain't living forever. Now I don't care what scientists do. I don't care what kind of research they're doing. They can't do that. Eventually, we're going to meet our maker. And when you stand before him, you either standing on what Christ has done for you or you're going to give him your messed up resume because your messed up resume ain't ever going to be a good enough. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you mine. Just take it, people. I've done the work. Just take it. I paid the price. Just receive it. Stop doing what I've already done for you. You don't have to get on the cross with me. Ain't room, there's not, not enough room for you. I've done it all. All you got to do is receive the gift. Receive it. And if you have received it, are you enjoying it? Some of you have been Christians for a long time. Are you enjoying it? Are you miserable? Are you down and out? Now, we go through stuff, I know. Suffering, we go through. Because life happens to us all. All of us. But it doesn't have to destroy us. It doesn't have to send us down to the depths of woe. Who are you holding on to, Christian? Who is your functional Savior. Because Jesus is your Savior on Sunday mornings, but is he your Savior Monday through Saturday? Is he your God and King Monday through Saturday? Because on Sunday mornings, everybody loved Jesus. Everybody loved him. Or are you going to love him tomorrow? Where are you, saints? Know who you are. 
when you walk out into this world, you're not walking out as an orphan. You're walking out as a son and daughter. Do you know that? You can walk out with your head held high with confidence because of your, who you are in Jesus. Do you know who you are? I'm going to tell you who you are. In Christ, you are a chosen people. And these are all going to be amen statements. You are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who call you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And that light is his only begotten son. So are you in the light? Are you enjoying the light? Surrender to him. And Jesus will not turn you away. Where are you, saints? Where are you emotionally? Where are you really living? Who are you really holding on to? Where are you? In John 8, 12, Jesus says, this is him speaking. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. But we have the light of life in himself. You have that in you if you know Jesus and save in faith. But what does that actually mean, Pastor? It means you're safe. It means God has you. It means he won't abandon you. It means he is going to take care of you. It means he's going to provide for you. It means he's going to make a way for you. That even if you lose everything, God still has you. That's what it means. That's what it means. It means, I've said this before for my friend Carl Ellis, the grace that God has for us is cat grace. Because if you know cats, they carry their kitten with their teeth. But the kitten doesn't hold on to the mother. The mother has the kitten. So you have cat grace. And that grace is going to carry you wherever it wants you to go. Even if you don't want to go, it's going to carry you. So that means you're never living this life independently of who God is. He's with you. His grace is with you. Even when you're falling short, it's with you. Believe that, saints. Rest in that, saints. And when you go out to the world, be confident in who Jesus is for you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for cat grace. I thank you for coming into this world because you didn't have to do it. You didn't have to do it, but you did it anyway. You came anyway because you loved us while we were your enemies. Oh, that's grace. Thank you that you changed our name. Thank you that you turned enemies into friends, orphans into sons and daughters. Thank you that we never have to go back to those places where we used to live. 